just has to turn on the mic a little bit. All right. All right. Uh, let's. Everyone. Okay. All right. Hey, it's good to see everybody. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say hello, introduce yourself, give him a high five, give him a handshake. All right, let's get to know each other a little bit for a second. want to welcome you again. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm one of the pastors. I'm actually the lead pastor of New Philadelphia Church. We have a campus in the Shilim section of Seoul, which is a city in Korea. Uh, and uh, we also did a church plant two years ago just north of Seoul in the section of Itaewon, which is where a lot of expats and foreigners live. So we have a campus there. Uh, our main campus at Hills, it's called Hillside. Uh, there's about there's about 170, 180 people there, mostly expats, a uh, few Koreans, but mostly uh, a foreigner community there. And then we have another campus in Itaewon, and there's about 70, 80 people there at that campus. All right. So this is our second church plant, technically, and it's our first one outside the city of Seoul. And we are excited because God's doing a mighty thing in Busan. I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but before uh, I get into my message, I just want to introduce uh, your campus pastors again. If you look inside your bulletin, on the front of the bulletin, it says campus pastors, Caleb and Mina Lee. All right, and let me tell you a little bit about the campus pastors, because, uh, oh, by the way, this is my uh, lovely wife. She's also, she co-lead pastors with me, because she preaches powerfully, sometimes yeah. even better than I do. Yeah. And uh, on our Vimeo page, she's getting more hits than I am. So um, anyway, that's a different story. But she's a powerful minister herself. Her name is Pastor Aaron. Pastor Aaron, could you stand up for a moment? She uh, is a powerful minister, and she just came back from a retreat with uh, about 60 college students at Yonsei University. Uh, we had an English-speaking ministry retreat there. And so she heads up that ministry, and they had a powerful time. Uh, even last night, she just took a KTX this morning to join us. Now, we'll be coming down occasionally, like uh, once a month, you know, something like that, right? We'll be coming down, we'll be coming down to preach, uh, to meet some of you guys, to minister to you. Um, and then on other weeks, we're going to have certain preaching pastors from our other two campuses. They're going to come down, and they're going to deliver the Word of God. But most of the time you're going to be seeing your campus pastors. Actually, every single week, you will have the opportunity to see their beautiful faces. And so I just wanted to introduce them to you, uh, just real brief, so you guys, you guys know where they're coming from. I'll start with Pastor Caleb. <laughs> pastor Caleb is, uh, he may not look like your typical pastor, that's because he isn't. Uh, and that's okay, because New Philly is not a, uh, it's not a typical church. Uh, Caleb became a Christian at a young age, and then he went to Biola University, which is a Christian school in Southern California. Uh, but he didn't get to finish because he was um, 
getting into a lot of trouble with drugs. Okay, let's just let's just put it up front. Okay, that's his story. And he had, he had, he ended up hanging out with a lot of Mexicans, and eventually he got busted and he went to jail. True story. For four years, all right, he spent almost four years in jail, and eventually God took him out of that situation in L.A. and brought him here to Korea. Right? And then when he arrived in Korea, he started coming out. Uh, by the way, um, when he was in jail, he used to stab other inmates that would mess around with him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only thing he stabbed was like meatloaf or whatever. You know, for um, no, but he got brought him here to Korea, and he started coming out to our church in New Philly. And after about a year at being our church, at our church, God started to slowly change him. And set him free from all kinds of bondage. He was going out to small groups with one of our pastors, Pastor John Michael. And he started getting what's called healing and deliverance. That's where you deal with all of the stuff that everybody carries in some form or another. God just set him free from different bondages and brought healing. A few years after that, God raised him up as one of our core leaders at the church. And he's discipled other men at our church, led three missions trips. And he has been faithful in everything that he's been assigned and so you guys are being blessed uh, with the leadership of a wonderful campus pastor. Yeah. That's the case. Let's, let's, let's give it up for Kathy. All right. All right. But not only do you have one awesome campus pastor, but you have two. See, the Bible says that the church is the household, the family of God, the uh, oikos of God. And so we believe that the church is a picture, of, it's like a big family. That's why we call each other brothers and sisters, right? And we here at New Philly believe that most families, the families are most healthiest when there's a spiritual father and a mother. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because there's aspects that uh, women spiritual leaders bring that men, male spiritual leaders may lack. And so, you know, God's not really male or female, by the way. You know, we refer to him as father, we use he, you know, but... God has the attributes of both uh, a man and a woman. You know, we're both created in God's image, the Bible says, you know. And so uh, we believe that uh, having both is very good. So in the case of New Philly, we do have both. Pastor Aaron and myself, uh, we're the spiritual father and mother of all the campuses and all the, the church movement. And here in the case of the Busan Church Plant, we have also placed a married couple to lead this campus, all right? And so you guys are doubly blessed. Pastor Mina here, she has been serving at our church as the administrator for four years. Like right when I started my leadership, she was there to serve as the admin. And she's been in charge of retreats, baptisms, membership classes, fellowship activities, mission trips, you name it, she's done it. So she really knows how to run the church. And uh, she's also served as a powerful small group leader. I know that there's a lot of testimonies of sisters that have been uh, experienced inner healing and deliverance through her ministry. And, uh, but let me tell you a little bit about her. But before serving at the church, her favorite place to hang out was the club, all right? <laughs> she used to be up at the club in New York City when she was living in Maryland. She was out here in Seoul, clubbing every single weekend, uh, you know, tripping on ecstasy, whatever, whatever it is. She used to take up in the club, get drunk, you know, dancing the night away. She still loves dancing, but she's found other loves for to replace the, uh, the drugs and the alcohol. Praise the Lord. Uh, we want to let her be the pastor if she didn't give that up. Uh, but that's her story. And she's not ashamed of it.
Because not only is it just a story of what she went through, but it's a story of how God transformed her. When it comes down to it, it's God's story. And so she's not ashamed of that. She, she, she shares these things freely, both of them. They share their um, testimony very freely. Um, so as you can see from your campus pastors, they are leaders that have been forgiven of a multitude of sins. <laughs> now this is good news. Because Jesus said, he who is forgiven much, loves much. So here among the, the, the campus pastors, you're not going to find that kind of Pharisaic tone of Jesus, the Pharisees of Jesus' day. You're not going to see that in them. Because they've been forgiven of a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. And they just really love Jesus. Yeah. And uh, if you haven't grown up in the church, or you haven't been to church in a while, and you've uh, actually been here in, in Busan, and you've been clubbing, and getting drunk, or drugs. I don't know if there's drugs down here in Busan. I don't know how there easy are. it might be to get drugs. There are? Okay, all right. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Thank you for that word of truth, brother. <laughs> drunk, or whatever, or sexing it up. You know, don't feel out of place when you come here. Because your campus pastors, they're not going to judge you. Yeah, right. <laughs> they know where you're coming from. And not only do we have two amazing campus pastors, but like I shared a little bit earlier, we have an entire church plant team. We have a total of 10 leaders from our church in Seoul. And they were captured by a vision of planting a church here in Busan. And so check this out. After praying about it, they quit their jobs in Seoul. They moved all the way down here, saying goodbye to all their closest friends. And they came here a few months ago, at the beginning of the year, January. They moved down here because they're committed to plant a church here that's going to shine the glory of Jesus. And uh, that sounds a little bit crazy, but before you think this church plant team is full of super saints and you feel indebted to them, I want to tell you that the reason why we came down is because our hearts have been captured by a vision for Busan. God has revealed to us that he has his eye on the city of Busan. Um, because God's got mighty plans for this city. This paper is not. Keeps moving. Hey, can I get like a little paperweight or something? Somebody give me some, some kind of paperweight or something. Like that. Sorry. And uh, God's got mighty plans for the city. And what we found out is Busan is in a very strategic location. I hope this phone don't ring, though. I think it'll work. Okay. It's a very strategic location. And we believe that all of these things that are developing in Busan, although statistically Busan might be shrinking or whatever, I don't know what the latest stats are saying. But we believe that Busan is at the brink of a tipping point in which it's going to become a very influential city. And so we, we wanted a piece of this action. We wanted to get in first. So we believe that Busan is going to grow into a very influential city. And why should an influential city not have the influence of Jesus Christ? For an influential city to have the influence of Jesus Christ, there's got to be a church there. Right. A church there that believes and honors the word of God. A church that is filled with his spirit. We need a church there to be salt and light. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going to let Busan uh, just... Go to their own devices. We want to plant a church here that's going to really be a salt and light. That's going to help to influence this very upcoming influential city. Uh, and so uh, we are here also because we heard that there are some amazing people 
living here in the city of Busan. Our, our team has been going out to uh, different uh, street outreaches, going out to the bars even. And our church is a little unconventional like that, all right? Uh, we, we're the mature leaders. We're not afraid to send them into the places where they're going to meet people. Like, you know, and when it comes down to it, you're going to meet people at a bar. That's why people go to the bar, right? People don't just go to drink. Generally, they go to drink to meet people. And when they don't meet people, they drink more. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we, we, we send our leaders out there. They've been meeting different people. And I heard there's some amazing people here in the city. And so we're really looking forward to hearing your story. And also, uh, we want to connect your story to God's story. Because we believe that you're not here by accident. You may not know it, but you're actually here as part of God's bigger plan. Uh, I'm just going to say a short thing about Aaron and myself so you guys kind of know where we're coming from. Uh, I used to serve with Campus Crusade for about seven years. Campus Crusade is a college ministry in, in America. I was on full-time staff with them uh, in New York City. Uh, I used to serve at Columbia University. Uh, as a student, I used to serve at NYU. I uh, did college ministry for many years, and then God brought me here to Korea. I'll share that story at another time. It was crazy. Uh, God put Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6 on my heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Be not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He will make your path straight. That was the word that God put on my heart. And then the Sunday I showed up to uh, New Philly was that the Sunday where they read that verse of Scripture read. So God gave me seven clear signs that I'm supposed to be at this church. And at that time, I was just a, I was just an attendee. I just came to attend. And uh, God really confirmed that I'm supposed to be in Korea and that I'm supposed to be at this church. One year later, beautiful young lady who was struggling with her own addictions at that time. You, you hear my wife's story another time, all right? Um, but uh, she came to Korea like, one year later, exactly a year later with guess what Bible verse on our heart? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, when we, when we first met, we actually, actually, she didn't really like me, all right? I guess I made a bad first impression. We didn't really like each other in the beginning, but as we got to know each other, we both had a very Northeast, like New York, sarcastic kind of humor. So we kind of connected, and as we connected, got to know each other, and as we fell in love with each other, later on we found out we shared our story of how we came to Korea. And both of us had Zanga sites. I don't know if you know what a Zanga site is. It used to be a, a blogging site back in the day. All right. Some of y'all may, may have had one. But we both had a Zanga site. And at the time, we both moved to Korea. We had both posted Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 to 6. So we have proof that both of us, God had used the same verse to bring us to Korea. Anyway, uh, a year after that, we fell in love. We, we ended up getting married. And uh, we ended up also being asked to lead this church. And so that's kind of our, the short end of our story. Uh, I've been leading New Philly here for four years. But it was three years ago that the church was just transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so dramatically that we decided to establish the church in a new identity. Up until that time, the church was called JSEM, which stands for Jair Sungdo English Ministry. All right. I'll be really hard for y'all to remember. I just told you. Well, what is it called? You probably forgot already. Okay. Nobody remember JSCM. Anyway, uh, JSCM was a wonderful church. It had a wonderful community. But the power of the Holy Spirit got so poured out at our church, it was so different. I just, we just felt like God was giving us a new identity. And so we came up with New Philadelphia, which is from Isaiah 43 and Revelation chapter 3. 
Uh, those two verses. You don't have to look it up. I'll tell you another day. But uh, to sum it up, Revelation 43 says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. And Revelation chapter 3 is written to the church in Philadelphia. So new Philly is how we came about. We good on the podcast? We good? All right. Okay. So that's our this is the short end of our story. We're just so excited to meet you. We're excited to hear your story. If you have time after the service, stick around. We'd love to just get to know you a little bit. Uh, church is not about a building. Obviously, this is not a church building, right? Uh, church is not just a building. Church is really, when it comes down to it, it's about the people, right? The Bible says that he is building a house of living stones. In the Old Testament, they had a physical temple. And it was grand, and it was large, and it was beautiful. Right? But on this side of the cross, under the New Covenant, God has revealed that that physical temple was simply a sign, a symbol, representing what was to come, which is a house built of living stones. Right? And so each and every one of you are precious because you are a member of the household of God. You're a member of the house of God. You make up the pieces that make up the temple of God. A temple of living stones. Right? And so we want to get to know you afterwards. Uh, so if you have time, we'd love for you to stick around after the service. But right now, let me preach my message. Why don't you turn to the book of Exodus. It's the second book in the Bible. If you have your Bible, turn there with us to Exodus chapter 14. You have your Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 14. All right. And in the book of Exodus, it describes the story of Moses. If you saw the prince of Egypt, you should know the story of Moses. Uh, Moses almost just killed as a baby. Pharaoh's daughter scoops him up out of the river. He gets raised in Pharaoh's house. Uh, Moses is a Hebrew. He's an he's a Israelite. Uh, and the Egyptians, they raise him in Pharaoh's house. He, he grows up. Once he grows up, uh, he sees two of his... Uh, he sees uh, an Egyptian slave master beating on one of the Hebrew slaves. By the way, Hebrew is just another word for like Israelite. Right? It's, it's like used very interchangeably in the Bible. So if I use both, just know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, is Egyptian slave masters beating one of the Hebrew slaves. Moses sees it. Moses jumps on that Egyptian slave master and kills him. And so he's afraid that it's going to get found out. And so he runs out into the wilderness. And he lives out there for 40 years. At the end of that 40 years, God appears to him in the vision of a burning bush. And says, Moses, I am sending you to Egypt. Appear before Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses is like, I have a studying problem. Uh, God, can't you, can't you just send somebody else? And, and God was like, no, I'm sending you. And eventually Moses went to Egypt. And he appeared before Pharaoh. And every time he said, let my people go, Pharaoh said no. Pharaoh's heart got hardened each time he said no. And so uh, the first uh, sign was a plague upon the river, the Nile River which was a source of life in that, in that desert area. The whole river turned into blood. And so Pharaoh's like, oh, snap, you know, this is, this is pretty serious. Uh, maybe I should let these people go. But then after a while, he decided to harden his heart. He said, no, I'm not going to let them go. 
And so God brought another plague, it was a plague of flies, a plague of frogs, a plague of hail, a plague of darkness. I mean, there's like 10 plagues in total. And after 10 plagues, all of Egypt, which was a very prosperous nation at the time, one of the most prosperous nations in the world, it just was like completely destroyed. The economy of Egypt was just in shambles. And by that time, Pharaoh relented and he led these probably millions of Hebrew slaves. He, he let all of them go. And they started to wander off into the desert. Now, by the time we get to Exodus chapter 14, the Israelites arrive at the Red Sea. Pharaoh and his army, they decide that they've made a mistake in letting the slaves go, and they decide to run after them. The people of Israel, now we got to imagine, there's hundreds of thousands or millions of them, they look back and they start panicking because they see the army of Pharaoh on their horses and chariots coming to pretty much take them away or kill them, right? And so that's where we are in Exodus chapter 14. Read with me in verse 10 to 13. Exodus 14, 10 to 13. I'm going to read from the ESV version of the Bible. If you have a different version of the Bible, just stay with me. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Hey, church plant team members, look at your Bible. Look at your own Bible. Leave us alone that we... Uh, is this not the reason why we said to you in Egypt, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, all right, I want to highlight this here, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Can you say amen to that? Amen. amen. All right. The Israelites are getting an anxiety attack from these Egyptian armies coming after them, and Pharaoh and Moses says to them, don't be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance. You will see the salvation of the Lord. Egyptians you are, who have been impressing you, enslaving you for all these hundreds of years, he says, you will never see them again. Now that's probably hard for them to register, because they've been in slavery generation after generation. Their mama was in slavery, their grandfather was in slavery. Their great-grandfather, they were there for 400 years. That's a long time. The only thing they knew is slavery and oppression. That's what they were probably comfortable with. And Moses says to them, these Egyptians, you will never see them again. And then look at verse 14, no, in verse 15. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen. Somebody say, go forward. Go forward. 
the Lord says to Moses to tell the people to go forward. Now, this is a little ridiculous. Why? Because what's before them? There's no sidewalk. There's no bridge. It's the Red Sea. Now, um, I did a little research, right? I, I didn't know what the difference between the ocean and the sea is. Right? I kind of suspected what it, what it was. But, you know, the difference between the ocean and the sea is ocean is a large continental body of water, and the sea is a, is a body of water that is um, surrounded by land in some form or another. It's surrounded by land. And so uh, the Red Sea is surrounded by land, but it's still very big. It's bigger than some lake. It's like, I don't Lake Michigan is pretty big, but uh, I don't know if, which one's bigger. But anyway, the Red Sea is really big, and it gets pretty deep. You know what I mean? And so uh, God says, go forward, and the Israelites are like, what are you talking about? What, are you supposed to swim forward? Like, uh, give us boats or something, you know? And God's like, go forward. And obviously, that doesn't make any sense. But God says, go forward. Don't stay in a place of worry and defeat because God is fighting for you. Do not fear. Just go forward. Go forward and God will deliver you. Go forward and you will never see the Egyptians again. You see, Egypt here symbolizes for us today uh, the power of slavery, bondage, oppression. What Egyptians are you struggling with today? I mean, like, uh, whether that's the power of uh, the slavery of uh, addiction to some substance, depression, disease, uh, some kind of sexual sin, idolatry, anxiety, fear. What kind of Egyptians have you been running away from? Have you been fighting today? And if you've been in that Egypt, if you've been struggling with those Egyptians for so long, you may have lost hope in ever getting free. Uh, you, 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 may, you might feel like the elephants in Dumbo. Everyone, everyone watch, you guys know the old Disney movie Dumbo? Dumbo is an elephant, baby elephant. Anyway, it's an it's, it's a, it's a animation about elephants. The thing about elephants is, if you chain the elephant to something on the ground, you beat that elephant, and anytime the elephant tries to go outside of, the, of, of a particular circle, you, you zap them with electricity or, or keep that chain on their ankle for, for a long time. After a while, you can take the chain off of the elephant's ankle, and it still will not go outside the circle. Isn't that crazy? Why? Because you have just broken the spirit of that elephant. And sometimes that's the way we feel. You know, there. There may not even be any power of, uh, of, to, of Satan has to really enslave us. But because we've given up, we've lost hope for freedom, we don't even try running away. We, don't, we just kind of give in to it. You know, what kind of Egyptians have you been struggling with today? Um, or perhaps you've tried running away from these Egyptians. You've tried to fight them on your own. But they seem to chase you down and drag you back in every time. And you might just get getting discouraged. The harder you try, the more discouraged you get. And here's the lie that Satan brings in all of that struggle. Satan says, you'll never get rid of that bondage. He says, you'll never be free. This is every man's battle. You're going to have to deal with it for the rest of your life. You're going to have to manage it. Because that's the best it's going to get. 
You're never going to get free, so you might as well just minimize it and manage it. That's the lie of the devil. And I'm here to say that Satan is a liar. Everybody say, Satan is a liar. Satan is a liar. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Well, come on now. That's talking to us today. I'm here, I'm here to tell you that I don't care how long you've been dealing with your bondage. God has sent his son Jesus to set you free. And this is not supposed to be just theoretical or just a doctrine where you kind of believe it. But even though you don't experience it, you're actually experiencing the opposite. You're just supposed to keep confessing it until you die and meet Jesus in heaven. And then you actually experience it then. No! That's not, that's not what this word is saying. God is promising us that if you go forward, if you cross over, you will never see the Egyptians again. Right, right. Jesus has died on the cross not only to forgive all of your sin, but to set you free from all of the slavery and bondage to sin that yeah. you struggle with. Yeah. You see, when the Israelites, they crossed the Red Sea, suddenly their deliverance wasn't just theoretical. It was experiential. It became an experiential reality because why? They physically saw with their eyes the, ocean, the sea closing in over the Egyptian armies. And then after that, for God to make sure that they understand that the Egyptians did not have some kind of scuba gear. All right. What happened? The Egyptians, they washed up on the shore and they were dead. Little Hebrew babies coming up to the Egyptian you know, warriors and just poking them. Making sure that they're dead. They were washed up on the shore. They physically saw. They experienced. God's promise. That they will never see the Egyptians again. And they never saw the Egyptians again. You see. The freedom that God wants to give you in Christ. Is not just about outrunning the Egyptians. It's not about you going back and fighting them. And winning those victories. God doesn't want you to use all your energy outrunning the Egyptians in your life. Or, or, or fighting those battles all the time. Getting all depleted. Getting discouraged. Think about it. If most of your week, your focus is on worrying and making sure that you don't fall into some sin or some pattern of sin. If that's like your primary focus, it's going to just distract you from doing the will of God. If most of your time spent in prayer is spent on just praying for yourself, when are you going to have time to pray for others? When are you going to have time to pray for the will of God to be done? What did Jesus teach us? He taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now Jesus didn't teach us, our Father who are in heaven, help me with this, help me with that. That's how you ought to pray. Just pray for yourself the whole time because I know that how much of a struggle it's going to be. You're going to struggle with these Egyptians. You're going to struggle with sin for the rest of your life. Just pray for yourself. That's the model of prayer I'm teaching you today. No, Jesus doesn't do that. So our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If all you're worried about is dealing with the bondages in your life, and you believe that this is just a life story, 
Now, you'll never get free. Now, you just have to deal with this. This is every man's battle. For the rest of your life, you're just falling into Satan's lie. You're falling into its trap. Because God's freedom was never just meant to be a theory. It's not meant to be just a doctrine you believe by just by faith. But it is an experiential reality that he wants you to walk in as you believe his word. And when you spend all your energy outrunning Egyptians for all of your life, the effect of Satan's lies is he keeps you distracted from what God truly wants you to do. When the, uh, if you remember the purpose why God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt, what was the purpose of delivering them out of Egypt? So they can worship. But it goes deeper than that. God brought them out of the land of Egypt. He set them free, not only so that he can say, I set you free, but so that they can go in and possess the promised land. God had made a promise to their forefather, Abraham, hundreds of years before, hundreds and hundreds of years before. God made that promise, and he wanted to be faithful to that promise. So the purpose of them coming out of slavery wasn't just to live free, but it was for a purpose of going into the promised land. God wanted these Israelites to possess the promised land, to possess their inheritance. It was their God-given right to receive it. Why? Not because they deserve it, but because God promised it. God made a promise, so they had a God-given right to possess their inheritance. And I believe here today, God wants you to possess your inheritance. God wants you to go into, you enter your promised land. God has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. He has specific missions that only you can accomplish. And he wants you to go in to the promised land. But you know, what, what, what's happened in Christianity? What happens in, what happens in evangelical churches most of the time? The most common and primary battle Christians are fighting is the battle against the Egyptians. It's a battle against pornography. It's a battle against some addiction. A battle against depression. Now, I understand these things are real. And these things are tough. These things are serious. But we start falling into the lie that, oh, I'll never overcome this. I'll always be sick. I'll always be depressed. This is just the way God's made me. I'm just a very introvert person, and I don't deal with emotions very well. I'll just be depressed all my life. My, my family's had a history of depression. No? You know, people, people at, uh, in Seoul, they tell me, you know, my family has a history of mental illness. And so, yeah, I'll probably get mentally ill and stuff. And, and, and they, just, they just receive it. And they don't, they, don't, they don't have any hope for freedom. That's because they haven't understood the gospel message. They haven't understood the truth of God's word. The truth of God's word is not for you to just micromanage those Egyptians and outrun them all your life. The truth of God's word is, you shall never see these Egyptians again. Go forward, and by the power of God, I will set you free. And you will never see these Egyptians again. Everybody say, you shall never see the Egyptians again. Turn to your neighbor tell them, you shall never see these Egyptians. Come on, shake that finger, that prophetic finger, say, this is, this is the truth.
Brothers and sisters, freedom is about going forward and crossing the Red Sea, believing that you will never see these Egyptians again. You know what I mean? And by the way, the Egyptians are not going to resurrect from the dead either. <laughs> but you know what? Some of, some of us Christians, we have more faith to resurrect the dead in terms of, you know, the Bible says, consider uh, yourself dead to sin. That means that we're supposed to consider that old nature done with. We're not supposed to turn back on it. We're not supposed to keep going back to it. But we keep resurrecting the dead. Get on up, bondage. You got to keep harassing me. Come on, come on. It was fun. With, and it's not fun without you. Come on. And we resurrect all these dead bondages. But the Bible tells us that, right? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We're supposed to walk in freedom. Not just for freedom's sake, but we're supposed to walk in that freedom so we can possess our inheritance, so we can do our, we can accomplish our God-given missions, so that we can go into the promised land and give glory to our God. Uh, I'm going to share a quick testimony. I'm glad my wife, she walked out to the bathroom for a second, because I'm about to talk about her right now. <laughs> I remember when we first uh, met, a few months after we met, uh, she just bought an iBook, and I think I had an iBook at that time, and uh, at that time, Apple started putting little cameras for video conferencing on the iBooks, right? And so, you know, we, we, were, we were just getting to know each other, and we decided, hey, let's test out the video chat feature. And so, you know, we were like video chatting as uh, just friends getting to know each other. And I remember one time she told me, you got to pray for me. And I'm like, why? Because I'm so worried. I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, one of my old friends from college is going to be visiting Korea and, and at that time, Erin was really trying hard to live a new life. Right? She, she had, uh, let me just tell you her short story. Right? Back in New York, uh, during college, she will confess herself that it's a miracle that she graduated from college. Because the entire four years, she was high on drugs. Smoking weed, and all the other kinds of drugs. I, I forget what they're called. Retinol, or I don't know. I don't know. All kinds of drugs, right? Those, you know, college students up in Long Island take, right? Anyway, she was high on drugs. And then also, she used to be a kleptomaniac. So she used to shoplift. She was an expert shoplifter. <laughs> she could probably do it today if you asked her. <laughs> right? But one time, she almost got convicted of a felony because she had like $2 short of $1,000 in her bag. And in, in New York State, if you get caught shoplifting over $1,000, you get, you, get, you get a permanent record, a felony on your, on your police record. It was the grace of God. She, she just barely had, you know, she was short of $1,000. Man, she was a klepto, man. She was under a lot of bondage. She was dating a drug dealer. I mean, she was, she was just in a lot of bondage, right? So when she came to Korea right after college, she wanted to live her new life. Because she's a Christian through all this four years in college, you know? And she knew that she was doing things that were displeasing to God. But she just kind of desensitized herself after a while. So, you know, we, have, we can do that sometimes, you know? And so she, she had gone through this. And when she came to Korea, she wanted to live free. So one of her college friends were visiting, and she kept, she said, you got to pray for me, because I'm afraid that when she visits, I'm going to do drugs again. So I was like, man, okay, all right. And I could have I, I sworn that, you know, just, she was just living a new life. I could have sworn she would never go back to drugs, but she was so worried that when her friend visited, she was going to do drugs again. All right? And so I said, all right, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Because you see, in one... At that moment in Aaron's, Pastor Aaron's life, she believed that because she had dealt with the Egyptian of drugs for so many years, 
She believed that she would have to keep fighting it for the rest of her life. She believed that that was an Egyptian that she could never outrun. And so even though it had been maybe, it had actually been only about seven months since she did drugs, right, huh? At that time? It was around December. So it was around seven months since she, she last. Now actually, maybe, no, no, you actually smoked weed right before you went on a mission trip, didn't you? During the Africa trip. Actually, so it was only about four or five months. So I guess she has some reason to, to be worried. But she believed that she would never get free, right? And uh, even when we first started dating, uh, we visited New York. And when she would go visit home, she would be worried that when she hangs out with certain friends, she's going to uh, do things that are displeasing to God. She just thought that because she had dealt with it for so long, these Egyptians would always harass her and it would be something that she could never, she would always have to just see these Egyptians for the rest of her life. And think about it. Isn't that how a lot of gentlemen, we deal with pornography? You know? I mean, the way the church has talked about pornography even, pe- even men that don't struggle with pornography, after they hear the church talk about pornography, they're in bondage to pornography. <laughs> right? We have this book out, Every Man's Battle, right? And I used to promote that book. I used to promote that book. And there, you know, there's a good things he says in there. But I think the, the, the central thesis of that book right, is missing a very important truth that we get from the Word of God. That freedom is not supposed to be theoretical. It's supposed to be experiential. It's real. And when God says, I'm going to set you free from this, he doesn't say, I'm going to set you free, but you're going to have to struggle with it for the rest of your life because you opened up this door and now you're going to have to keep dealing with it. God says, I'm going to set you free. And when I set you free with my power, you're never going to see it again. Anyway, eventually, what happens? Right? A year and a half, two years passes as Aaron starts serving in different capacities. After a while, it was like a hindsight thought. She just looked back and she realized, you know what? I am absolutely not tempted by drugs anymore. There was just zero temptation. And so today, when Pastor Aaron and I, we pray together at home. We need to do more of that, by the way, honey. We're pastors, all right? Uh, or when we're talking at home, you know, and we're talking about ministry or we're talking about different things. Pastor Aaron doesn't all of a sudden say, oh, honey, you got to pray for me right now. I feel, I feel temptation right now to do drugs. Honey, pray for me. Set, this, set me free. We don't have those types of talks. Why? Because she's been set free. And she will never see that Egyptian again. Come on now. And what I'm trying to say is, for all you gentlemen, you can do that with pornography too. The lie is, the world tells you, men, you are like animals. Animals in heat, you have you know, you have two of them, and you have a lot of testosterone, and you're, you're just very physical, you're very visual people. Gentlemen, you, you, guys, you guys are very just lustful. You're prone toward lust, and you always deal with lust for the rest of your life. And so we start to believe that. So our, I, guess, I guess I'm just like an animal. And if I really need it, I need my needs met. You know, and so men, they, they look at stuff, you know, and, and they touch stuff, they visit Places and, and let's be real, right? I mean, that's what men, they, they think, man, I'll never get rid of this, so I might as well just manage it. Let me just manage my appetite. That's just all lies. It's just all lies. You don't have to live like that. You can live free. You don't ever have to ever see that Egyptian again. But you know what you have to do? 
You got to go forward. You can't stay where you're at and expect to be free. You got to walk. You got to go forward. You got to cross over. Let me tell you something right now. Right before God took the Israelites across the Red Sea, there were ten plagues I talked about, right? That God hit Egypt with. But let me talk about the tenth plague. The, the last plague right before God took them to the Red Sea and had them cross over. The last plague involved the killing of every firstborn son in Egypt. And so there was this one evening where God said, My angel, now angels are gangsters. They're not just a little, you know, with wings and nice and halos on their head. Now this, this, there was, this was an angel with a sword, and God said, My angel will go through all of Egypt and will kill every firstborn son. But for the Israelites, if you obey my command here, this angel will spare the firstborn son of your house. And what were they required to do? On the night of what is called the Passover, they were to eat unleavened bread. Okay, it's another symbol. I always keep, just leave that baby. Unleavened bread, and then they had to kill an uh, unblemished lamb. And take the blood of that lamb and smear it in front of the doorpost on top and on the side. That's a little bizarre. If God told you to do that today, you'd be like, uh, God, can you give me a different kind of instruction? Is there something else I can do? Can I put a sticker? No? God's like, no, it's going to get messy. And you guys are going to put blood on your doorpost. And when the angel of the Lord comes to kill every firstborn son, and that angel sees that blood, the angel will pass over your house. You see, what we really need to understand today is that passing over, right, where death passed over each house that had the blood on the doorpost, right? And uh, who was killed? Who was supposed to be killed? It's the firstborn son. Okay. If you really think about it, you see, those, both those things is what's in the Bible, what a lot of theologians will call types. They're typology. It's a symbol, actually, that's pointing to Jesus Christ. Because on that night, there were a lot of firstborn sons that died. But thousands of years later, thousands of years later, God sends his firstborn son, his only son, to die so that death will pass over us. But not only that, there's another symbol there. Where did the blood have to come from? Your pinky? No, right? Blood had to come from an unblemished lamb that they killed. Right? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. The reason why the wrath of God that righteously should judge and punish your sin, why the wrath of God passes over our sin, is because the Passover lamb shed his blood. And every person that is smeared and covered by the blood of Jesus the wrath of God passes over them and they are saved. Why am I sharing all this? The reason I'm sharing this is because the, first, the only Son of God who shed His blood as a Passover lamb for us 
when he was sacrificed, when he, the Bible says that he went to the cross and died this horrible, criminal, violent death, when God sent his son to die on the cross in this way, God sent his son not only so you can be forgiven of all sin, but so that you can be experientially free from all bondage to sin. Let me say that again. God sent his son to the cross, not only so you're, he can forgive all your sin. We get that. Most of evangelical churches, we get that. But it wasn't only for that purpose, but it's also so that you can be experientially free from all bondage to sin. The power of the cross has only gone so far if the only thing you realize about yourself is that you're forgiven. You need to realize that you're also been set free. There are no chains on your ankles. They've all been set free. They've all been broken by the blood of Jesus. The only reason there's power to what you think are chains is because of the lies of the enemy. He's deceiving you. He's just trying to get you not to even try. He's just trying to tell you, you just stay in your place. This is your lifelong struggle. And God says, no, go forward. Go forward. Go forward and I will set you free and you will never see these Egyptians again. See, Christianity is not about gradually improving your morality. Christianity is about the power of God. It's about the power of the cross. The power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The power of God's truth. It's about power. The kingdom of God is about power. That's what the word of God says. Not about talk, but of power. And that power sets you free from every form of slavery. But it requires that you believe God's promise and that you move forward. And God's promise is simple. Go forward and you will never see the Egyptians again. Go forward and you shall never see the drugs. You'll never hear the demonic voices. You'll never see the nightmares again, the anxiety, the self-hatred, the pornography. You shall never see the Egyptians again. Yeah. Go forward. Do not stay in the place of defeat and anxiety. God is fighting for you. So do not fear and go forward. Go forward and repent. Go forward and put your faith in Christ for the first time. Go forward and become a Christian if you're not. Go forward and receive prayer from one of the pastors. Go forward and join a small group. Go forward and open up about your past hurts. Go forward and the power of God will set you free and you will never see the Egyptians again. I want us to just bow our heads. Close our eyes for a moment. And I just want to give you guys an opportunity to respond. If you feel like there have been certain areas in which you feel like you're never going to get free, it's just a constant struggle, whether it's anxiety, whether it's fear, addictions, certain patterns that Satan has allowed you and said, you will never get rid of this. God is saying to you, go forward and you will never see that Egyptian. If that, if the power of the cross has not affected you in that way, 
the power of the cross has yet to touch you. Touch you in the way that God intends. So if there's anyone in here and you want to receive prayer, it's prayer about anything that you want to be set free from. Uh, I'm going to ask some of our church plant team members. All right. Let's have some of you guys come forward here. Pastor Mina too. Confidence, when you come on up too. We're just going to stand up here and Pastor Caleb's just going to uh, just lead us in a few songs. But as we sing, if you want to receive prayer, you want to come forward and you want to receive prayer and share briefly about what you want to receive prayer for. Or you don't even have to share. You can just receive prayer. We're just going to open it up for maybe a few minutes for people to receive prayer. Because Christianity is not just this intellectual ascent, a thing where you ascend to it. Christianity is about experience. We've got to experience the reality of our faith. And so if there's anyone in here that you want to receive prayer, I want you to stand to your feet. Stand to your feet and we're, we just want to pray for you. We just want to pray for you today. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. The Lord fights for you. This is not your battle. This is not every man's battle. This is the Lord's battle. And God has sent His Son, Jesus, to win victory over that battle. And all you have to do is believe it and walk it out. All you have to do is go forward and receive the power of God that's going to set you free permanently. Permanently. Hallelujah. And you will never see these Egyptians again. If you're standing to your feet and you want to receive prayer, uh, just come up out to the aisles and just move forward. And we'll have one of our uh, church plant team members and we'll just pray for you, alright? Just come and receive prayer. Yeah. yeah. We'll just do this for a few minutes. And this is just a normal part of church. Yeah. yeah. Grace to life, our God is able in His name. We overcome for the Lord, our God is able. Oh, 